he is not expected to make it through the day uh, because he had, uh, ha has experienced a brain bleed. And um, I was called to the ER last night. They let Walt and Janice Drain and I in to see him. Uh, we were able to pray with him. He's not responsive to any of that we can see. Uh, we did some singing in the room and just prayed over him and asked God's presence to be with him. His son is flying in today, the first flight he could get out of Washington. And his daughter-in-law, Vicky's coming up. She may already be there this morning. But, um, you know, he's not far from being 97. And um, I believe he's lived a pretty good life, pretty full life. And, and in a way, I kind of envy him. Not that I'm trying to leave you real quick, but, uh, you know, look at our world. You think about stepping into that other world, is that doesn't sound inviting. Now, I'm all in for Jesus to come back. And for this world to be, us to be exited out of here with all the stuff going on. But um, he's in good hands. And uh, we're just praying peace over him, that uh, he has peace. And if he could hear us, uh, we just had a little worship service there in that uh, trauma unit number six. And um, thankful that uh, people in the medical field understand the importance of end of life. And that it's important for people to have people around them. Because that's not the case. It hasn't been the case with this covid I'm glad that these things are relaxing. I'm ready to retire my mask. Um, and, and maybe somebody says, well, no, no, retire it. But the, the governor says she's going to ease that up. And uh, I'm, I'm really ready to retire it. I, it's not going to be on a trophy uh, thing or anything. It's, it's, I just don't want to look at it anymore. Um, but I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here this morning. Um, we're going to read from um, Psalm 29, if you'll turn there. Um, Here is Psalm 29, and there's, there's a theme in that that kind of caught my attention. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard. And if you have the King James Version, you're going to be a lot closer than if you have the NIV, especially when we get to verse 9. For whatever reason, the translators for the NIV just really messed up verse 9. This is why you, it's really good to look at things and... The two, two translations that are translated closest to the original language, the original Hebrew and Greek, is the King James Version and the New American Standard Version. This is why I'm, I'm choosing to read out of that. It's a little bit easier flow than Elizabethan English. How's that? A New American, you would think it sounds a little bit like American uh, translation, right? Well, ascribe to the Lord, sons of the Almighty... Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. I think maybe your Bible may say give. It's just, it's just acknowledging the greatness of the Lord. And, and uh, all of these are the capital letters of, of Jehovah. Ascribe to the Lord glory do his name. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Now probably there's a message right there. But I'm not going to preach on verse 2. With the, to any extent. But here's the thing that kind of captured my attention going through this psalm again and again. It's the voice of the Lord that dominates this psalm. 
in those that phrase the voice of the lord is not found that many times in that sequence in the bible in the old testament but it's it just dominates this song here the voice of the lord is on the waters and the god and the god of glory thunders the lord is over many waters the voice of the lord is powerful the voice of the lord is majestic the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon in pieces. He makes Lebanon skip like a calf in Syrian, which is another name of Mount Hermon, like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. Isn't it interesting? I mean, we're singing this song that says, the name that shakes the earth and shakes the heavens. I says, it's amazing how the praise team comes up with songs that the phrase jumps out. It says that the Lord shakes the wilderness. He shakes the earth. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? And yet it's the same voice that strips the forest bare. That's the, the, the wide swath of the voice of the Lord can go into the... The private world, a deer is one of the most private animals there is. Hardly anybody gets to witness what you just see. But the voice of the Lord causes that to happen. And at the same time, the voice of the Lord strips the forest bare. And in his temple, everything says glory. The Lord set as king at the flood. Yes, the Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Obviously, the theme of this psalm is the voice of the Lord, the voice of Yahweh. And this is a song of David penned. And it doesn't take you long to figure out what David has captured in this. You know, there's so many good songs that we have today. And they're coming like in rapid speed. It's like all of the people who are gifted to write music are writing some beautiful songs. But you don't get very far into this psalm and you see that the real purpose of God as A.W. Tozer said, that the purpose of man, God created you and me to worship him. To not just acknowledge him, but to abandon ourselves to worship. I don't know how often we really come into a time of worship where we just abandon ourselves to his presence. And give ourselves totally to exalting him and to praising him. And this is how this psalm starts. About ascribing to the Lord glory do his name. Give him what he is deserving of. Can you say unequivocally that you've already come in here and you've given him everything he's due? <laughs> I'm squeezing the lemon as much as I can to get every drop when I'm thinking about what does he do? What kind of praise does he do? It's, it's as much as we can do. Just divulge ourselves of any distractions and give him such totality of our attention and our energy and praise and our words and, and beyond our words, the, the words of the Holy Spirit that can erupt out of us in worship. And that's the core of, of that worship that he's talking about is the exaltation, his voice. When God speaks, things happen, do they not? Look at verse 3. The voice of the Lord is on the waters. Now, I've titled this message, Thunder and Lightning. And lightning is not specifically mentioned, but thunder is. 
And we know that thunder and lightning are connected, right? It's kind of a scientific thing. And you can see the flash of the lightning and you will know how far or how close it is by when the thunder follows that strike of lightning, right? So he says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. It's on the waters. The glory of the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. Thunder and lightning has always commanded our attention. And even in, the, in, in pagan places and heathen places, those things were kind of worshipped or kind of idolized as gods. That this was the God speaking or the thunder itself and the lightning itself became God. And they made idols. And, and this is why God tells them, says, don't take anything of an image and make a replication of it. So it draws your worship away from him who has no image for you to see. But his presence is throughout the earth. He says, I don't want you taking a focus. And aren't we kind of visually oriented? That we, are gra- we gravitate. That's why I'm so glad they have not really found the ark of Noah. Because we know what they would do with it. They would make it a shrine and you would pay lots of money to go see it. Well, some people pay lots of money to go see it. It's like the shroud of Turing that is just really. I don't, it's not authentic. It's not the face covering that Jesus had when he was in the tomb. But people think it could have been. So that's enough for them to practically worship it. And this is why he said it's not the thunder and the lightning, but the thunder and lightning is a, are, are evidence of the presence and power of God on the waters. The voice of the Lord is on the waters. God thunders. His voice is a thunderous voice. The first occasion that the Bible references that someone hears the voice of the Lord. Now, we know when he created, the first thing that he spoke was, let there be light. But there was no one to hear that other than the Godhead. And angels. He said, let there be light. But the first time that mortal men and women heard the voice of the Lord is in chapter 3. When Adam and Eve had already partaken of the tree and they were hiding because they were naked and they felt exposed. And it says they heard the voice of God in the evening coming toward them. I wonder what that sound was about. They heard the voice of God. He was speaking. There was something about his voice they heard and they hid. And he called out to them. S.M. Lockridge is one of my favorite preachers. He's the one that we do, That's My King. And I discovered him back in the 1980s. And I actually, and I'm, I actually still have cassette tapes that I listen to. Now, Tom can put them on a, a digital format for me but my, my old GMC truck has a cassette player and I've been playing some cassettes in there I know I'm I've got a museum going down the road but I had so many I wish I knew what I'd done with all of the sermons that S.M. Lockridge I had in the 1980s a little town in 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 South Alabama this guy put so many preachers on cassette tapes and I was on his mailing list but I just want to Talk to you about one of the the things on his sermons. And you can find this sermon just by kind of putting in some of the the words that I'm about to share with you. But around uh, minute 20 or so, he talks about S.M. Lockridge. He's preaching in Detroit. And this guy comes up to him and says, uh, you know, he took took a a difference with something he said. Because in his message, he said that God came from nowhere. 
And the guy comes up and says, I don't think that's a reasonable thing to say that God came from nowhere. He says, well, let me just put it. I think it's like this. God came from nowhere because there was nowhere for him to come from. Isn't that reasonable? And that God stood on nothing because there was nothing for him to stand on. I wish I could do S.M. Lockridge for you. But I won't even try to attempt. But I'm going to take you through the sequence. And that God stepped onto nothing because there was nothing to step on. And there standing on nothing, he grabbed the hammer of his will, struck the anvil of his omnipotence, sparks flew, and they, he caught him on the tips of his finger, and he flung them into the heavens and bedecked the heavens with stars. I wish I was that eloquent. But that was all the voice of God. Think about the voice of God that simply created matter. After Dr. McMurtry's been through all of the things that he took us through, I've come to this stark reality. There's not an atom in existence that God didn't create. Because we can only handle material that's already in existence, whether it's in the gases above us or in the material underneath us. And that God created all that. And how did he create all of that? By speaking into existence. No wonder God thunders when he speaks. And he probably has to dial down the volume so much just for us to be able to contain it. The voice of God thunders. That imagery that S.M. Lockridge gave is just kind of hard to dismiss when you think about how thunderous the voice of the Lord is. In verse 4, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. It wasn't that long ago, and I'm dating myself. Some of you younger ones will not remember this. But there was a very popular commercial with a financial advising, advising uh, company called E.F. Hutton. You remember E.F. Hutton? And they'd have a conversation, and everybody would be doing their stuff. And then somebody at a table would say, well, well my... Advisor is E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says, and the whole room stops. Anybody remember those commercials? And then it would come on what? When E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Are they even in business anymore? Probably got bought out. I guess they got tired of them speaking. But it kind of like left that image on, shouldn't, the voice of God command even greater attention? To cease what we're thinking, when God speaks, it really doesn't matter who has other opinions, does it? doesn't matter who they think is how the universe came into existence. It doesn't matter. When prophets of old spoke, they were just not speaking what they thought that God was trying to say or giving God's perspective on something that they were observing. And Daniel, as great a prophet as he was and is, is not greater than any of the rest because he just nailed the very year and time of year that Jesus would be crucified 400 years before it would happen. But Daniel was not guessing at that. Daniel was simply giving what God had told him. God knew the time, and he was speaking through Daniel. All of these prophets were not speaking on their own. They were speaking what God had said to them, what thus saith the Lord. 
And we can trust what God says. We can trust this book. Next month, it'll be 10 years. 10 years since several tornadoes ripped through this state. And I can still see in my mind the image of the tornado that came across Tuscaloosa. I didn't see it like maybe some of you saw it. As the on-live cameras captured that mammoth tornado. Frightening look at that. As my brother and I were driving up to Tuscaloosa as fast as we could. In a car listening to it. And I already called Brenda and said you need to get in the basement. One that morning that already hit close. Not far from our house in Colon. Came really close to your house. And here was another tornado, the, the massive one that came through with devastating loss of life and destruction of property. And, I, and she had Jason and Trisha's three little ones. And I said, you need to get down in the basement with them now, what they're describing. She had no power. There was no television to watch. There was no radio. The phones weren't working very well because they were in overload. And, and I finally got through to her and said, you need to get down in the basement. And we even see a replay of that. Let us know how powerful nature can be. That that was that, that enormous tornado that ripped through our city and cost so many lives. You know, Rich Mullins is probably well known for one song. Our God is an awesome God. And Rich Mullins is such a great story. Um. But the, he, he talks about thunder. There's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fist. Talking about, and, and the re, refrain is, our God is an awesome God. I'm, I'm going to ask you to help me out on that refrain in just a moment. But he captures this thing about the greatness of God. And, and he, I think maybe he might have been reading Psalm 29 at some point in his life. Because he gets to the second verse of that and it says, when the sky was starless in the dark of the night. Our God is an awesome God. That's your, when I do that, that you say, our God, right, we'll do it again. And when the sky was starless in the void of the night, he spoke into the darkness and created the light. Judgment and wrath he poured out on Sodom. Mercy and grace he gave us at the cross. I hope that we have not too quickly forgotten that. Our God is an awesome God. He spoke the darkness and created the light. He spoke into that. The word of God, the voice of God. In verse 5 it says, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Why in the world did David include cedar trees in this psalm? Lebanon was known for its forest of cedar trees. Everyone wanted to buy their Wood for construction from Lebanon. Even Solomon, when he went to build the temple, made a deal with the, the, king of Leb, uh, the king of Lebanon saying, we need your cedars. And they floated hundreds of those timbers down along the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. And, and they used the cedars of Lebanon to build the temple of God, the wooden part of it. David used the cedars of Lebanon to build his palace God wouldn't let him build the temple, but Solomon, they would all go to Lebanon. And here he says, even the majestic trees of Lebanon cannot stand in front of the voice of God. 
He braced them like toothpicks. One of the things that kind of, when we set up uh, our, our water and, and help stand in front of the Peak Wiggly in Alberta, one of the first things I noticed was these massive concrete electrical poles that were snapped like toothpicks right in the middle and just snapped them to the, the, the power of that tornado. And, but listen to what it says. The voice of the Lord causes these great force to snap into. Not that he probably did it just to show, but he's, he's declaring the voice of the Lord can level the forest of those trees in Lebanon. And in verse 9, he even says, the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. I don't know if you've ever seen a massive tree killed by a lightning strike. But you can follow the, the path of that lightning bolt down that tree because it peels the bark right off the tree. And as it goes down the tree, it will even go out the roots before it's, it's shorted out in the ground. And the roots will pop up where that lightning struck that tree. No matter how massive that tree is, the lightning kills it. An enormous, powerful thing, lightning. And yet he says, that's what God does. He strips the forest bare. He debarks the forest. And in his temple, everything, everything that has a voice says glory. The same powerful voice that causes the deer to calve in the in the secrecy of their world, can display in front of many eyes the power of his voice. Verse 7, the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Fire has always been associated with God. Right? God appears to... Uh, in in... In Moses, in a bush, a burning fire in a bush, he speaks out of the fire. The fire was the presence of God in that bush. The, the bush didn't, it wasn't consumed. It was a natural fire. It was the fire of God. The pillar of fire at night that followed them and that led them. The fire on Mount Sinai, the whole mountain was shaken. There was thunder. There was lightning. There was this covering. This mountain was in just a boiling with the presence of God. And the people said, we don't want to hear his voice anymore. We're terrified of the voice of the Lord. And we want to hear Moses talk. We don't want to hear God. And Moses rebukes them because they don't want to hear God's voice. They're scared of the voice of God. And even when Paul and Silas was in the Philippian jail and they were singing and praising God, God responded with shaking that jail to its core. And the jailer was about to commit suicide because he thought everybody had escaped. Just worshiping the Lord. That's all they were doing was worshiping the Lord. And God invaded that jail with his great power, shook it to its core. And that jailer repented and became one of the, he and his family became one of the first people in that church in Philippi. God has given us his fire through the power of the Holy Spirit. It was John the Baptist says, I don't, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, whose fan is in his hand, and, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and, quench, and burn up the, the chaff with unquenchable fire. And there on Pentecost, 120 people had divided tongues of fire 
come upon each of them, letting us know that all 120 were going to be filled with his Holy Spirit and would be instruments in his hand regardless of their age, regardless of their station in life. And I just happened to believe that some children and teenagers was among them, that all 120 of them were equipped with the fire of God, the tongues of fire came upon them. And I think it, it is really kind of pointing forward to Pentecost when he says he divides the flames of fire. Get this, and I want my praise team to come up. When you think about God has given us the, the authority and the anointing to tell his good news, to preach the gospel to people, when we're speaking the words of God, should they have any less power than when he speaks them? I'll tell you, I don't think it's up to us how much power the word of God has, but we need to speak it. We need to speak what thus saith the Lord. And those 120 were committed to do what God had called them to do, to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I just happened to believe that all 120 of those people, instead of doing book deals, probably went out and did what God called them to do. They were not there to reminisce and have memories of what, wasn't that a wonderful time? And I really think sometimes in our, in our walk with God, we have memories that we kind of go back to. Shouldn't we have God creating new memories for us? Memories of His anointing? When we speak what the Word of God says, we're speaking the thunderous voice of God. It's not thunder in our volume, but it's still the thunderous laden voice of God. It's His lightning. It's His fire. When John saw the glorified Jesus, he, was, he went to his face like he was dead. He was trying to describe him. And, and isn't that our challenge sometimes is to try to use our vocabulary to describe the greatness of God? But one of the things he said was, Jesus' eyes were like eyes of fire. And his feet was like brass burning in the fire. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. It was overwhelming. This was the one that he leaned up against before his glorification. And now he's on his face. He's, he's not even attempting to lean toward him. He's getting on his face because he's awed by him. Oh, God, give us a new awe of you. Give us a new wonder of you, Lord. In this room, would you provoke in us this hunger and thirst for the reverberation in our own souls of your word, of your voice. Your voice shakes the earth. Your voice is over the waters. It shakes the waters. It shakes the heavens. There's no limit to your power. You are the omnipotent, all-powerful one. And we need that. We need your power. We need the encouragement. We need that command of our lives to surrender ourselves to do things that's not typically in our nature, not typically in our talent pool, but to be your voice. And Lord, we speak your word. That you're not willing that any should perish. You're not willing that any of us in this room would perish. You're not willing that any of our family members would perish. You're not willing that anybody that we know would be lost for eternity. You're not willing for them to go into eternity without you. 
a Christless, lightless eternity of regret and sorrow that awaits those who do not know you. May the thunder of your salvation stir our souls, Lord, that if we know you and we know what your power can do in transforming us, anoint us to be your new voices. Even, even if we are so commanded already to walk through doors of opportunity, we want to be overwhelmed by the hunger for new doors to open. And those listening by live stream, you're not willing that any of them will perish. And what Paul told that jailer is for them as well. That if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and your family will experience salvation. Your family will be drawn into yielding themselves to Him. And we need that magnetic attraction in us that so energizes us with You. That You use us, Lord. Use us today, Lord. People that we know that we're not sure where they stand, forgive us for not being your voice to them, that thunderous voice of salvation. To those that work near us, to those who live near us, Lord, we repent that this message is wonderful, ascribing to you the greatness of who you are. We have done that more in private than public. Forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Stir our hearts like never before, oh God, because this is the only day we have. This is the only day we get to do your work. We can't add to yesterday, and we cannot step into tomorrow. Help us. Help us to set aside this day as a day of decision. Would you stand with me this morning and would, would we just lift our hands and, and surrender ourselves to the purpose of God? Lord, we yield ourselves to you. Forgive us of our sins. Cleanse us. Cleanse us from our own self-interest. Wash away our self-focus to the point that we have limited you in how you work in our lives. We want to throw away the limits, the barriers that we have erected and open wide our souls, Lord, to experience your greatness and the awe of who you are and your truth and to push us back past our limitations and our inhibitions to fully and actively pursue you. Anoint our tongues with your message. Anoint our eyes with your eyes, Lord, so that we see people as you see them, broken and wandering about as sheep not having someone to lead them. No shepherd, no direction of their life. Give us that kind of eyesight that when we look on the fields, we see the whiteness of the harvest, not the task in front of us. That we see what the potential is in people we know. 
created in your image, created in your likeness, created for your purpose. I pray, Lord, that you will somehow use us to help others find your God-given purpose to them, why you created them, why you fashioned them to be who they are, and what plan you have for them. You have a plan for every single one of us in this room. You created every one of us in this room for a specific reason. Help us. Help us to have a new hunger. To find it. To search for it. Let's just take a few minutes to worship Him and, and yield ourselves to Him this morning.